What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Oasis Podcast. Oasis is the college and young adult ministry at Park West Church in Knoxville, Tennessee. Come hang out with us if you're ever in the area on a Thursday night. We'd love to meet you face to face. If you don't already, make sure you follow us on social media at Oasis PWC to stay updated with everything going on here with the Oasis family. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's message. Let's jump in. If you've got your Bibles with you, we're going to be in two places tonight. We're going to Habakkuk chapter 2. Turn your neighbor and say Habakkuk. One more time because it's really fun. Habakkuk. And then we're going to be in 2 Chronicles. You can say that one too if you want to. Turn your neighbor and say Chronicles. Y'all are a bunch of chatty Cathys tonight. I like it. You're going to preach back at me. This is going to be a good night. It's going to be a really good night. Habakkuk chapter 2, starting in verse 2. I'm going to read this. We're going to see where we end up. It says, uh, then the Lord answered me, write the vision. Turn to your neighbor and say, write the vision. Make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it. One more time. It says, then the Lord answered me, write the vision, make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it. I love this scripture. Habakkuk is like three chapters and it's just this ongoing conversation between God and Habakkuk. And they, they go back and forth. It feels like every chapter they both get some words in. And in part of this conversation, Habakkuk basically says, look at what's happening. How are we supposed to deal with where we are right now? And God says to him, pay attention. I'm going to give you direction. Write it down so that he who hears it may run with it. Now, I don't know if you knew this, but back then you couldn't slide into anybody's DMs. There were no emails. You couldn't send a text message. So what they would do is they literally had a runner. And I'm not, not saying just like Pentecostal church, like everything and the guy takes around, not necessarily. They had a runner that his job was to quickly and clearly communicate from the front line, from the commander back and forth. So what he says is, write this down plainly on a tablet so that the one that hears it will remember it, understand it, and clearly communicate it to other people. Tonight, I wanna teach a message titled, Building Plans. Turn to your neighbor and say, The Building Plans. Turn to your other neighbor that you haven't talked to yet. (laughs) Tell them the building plans. Let's pray together. God, thank you for this incredible group of people. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to be here. Thank you for whatever you've already done. God, I I just feel like there are things that have happened during worship tonight that that I'm not aware of. And I thank you for that. I thank you for chains that were broken. I thank you for freedom. I thank you for healing, for restoration. We thank you for the four recommitments we have before we even got to the word. God, thank you for your goodness, for your faithfulness. Lord, I ask that you will have your way here tonight in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen and amen. Make the vision plain on tablets. You know, there's a process to getting from point A to point B. And the the process can be a problem for many of us. I'll say for me, it can be a problem. Because you know, okay, I'm on a health kick. If you follow me on Instagram, you know that I like every once in a while post something. I'm like, hey, I'm at the gym today, another day stronger, whatever. And I told somebody the other day, I don't actually go in and work out. I just like take a picture. I'm like rolling weights in front of my like blazers. And then I go home. No, I'm not kidding. I'm really trying. But there's a process to this. And what happens is you sit down and you think it out. You're like, okay, here's the process. It's going to be great. I'm going to work out five or six days a week and I'm going to eat healthy every day. 
Generally, that doesn't happen. Amen. So then you're like, okay, well, like A player's not happening. Let's try B player. So B player's like, I'm going to work out three or four days a week and I'm going to eat healthy. Generally, what happens is you work out two to three days a week and you kind of eat healthy a couple of those days. Amen. Because the, the process isn't there. But here's the problem. Your willingness to commit to the process determines the speed of development. If I would just eat a salad, I'm sorry, I'm upsetting myself right now. I'm going to move on. Andy Stanley says, everybody ends up somewhere, but few people end up somewhere on purpose. You are in motion. You are going somewhere, but there is a process to getting where you want to go. If you will, we as a ministry, we as Oasis are in a boat sailing across the waters. If we don't have any idea where we're going, this will be bad. And we see it happen with organizations, with businesses, with churches, where they, they don't have a vision. And I'm not, ta- let, me, let me clear, I'm not talking about a catchy one-liner statement that's like printed in the foyer, like that's good, but like the, a purpose. Where are we going? Who do we want to be? Tonight, I wanna share with you what God has put on my heart, where we want to go who we want to be. Let's talk some building plans. Turn to your neighbor and say, building plans. If you do have your Bibles, go ahead and go to 2 Chronicles. We're gonna be in chapter five, chapter six, and chapter seven. Chapter five, chapter six, chapter seven of 2 Chronicles. Some context as you're turning there. If you know King David, right? This is the David that was a shepherd boy that killed Goliath with a stone. He eventually becomes king. King David is kind of out of the picture at this point. His son Solomon, who the Bible says was the richest and wisest man to live, is now king. The reason that this matters is God has spoken through David years before that his son would rebuild the temple. Turn to your neighbor and say, the temple. And now we're here. We finally got to this moment where this years and years of planning, years and years of praying has happened. And this temple has been built that is like incredible. If you read the first couple chapters of Second Chronicles, it's one of those, those books like you really kind of skip through because you're like, I don't care how many cubits by how many cubits by how many cubits this was built. Okay, it's one of those passages. But the reason that it's so beautiful is you will see these little things where it'll say like, and the whole thing was um, laid in gold where they had built this, this beautiful place and they want you to know God said to do it to these measurements so we did it to these exact measurements. And in this room, this was made out of silver. And in this room, it was all inlaid in gold. And they have this incredible temple that is famous even now. There's New Testament scriptures that talk about Solomon's temple, this beautiful temple. They've done all of this work. Once it's built, Solomon stands in front of the Israelite people by the temple and he prays. It's almost like a ribbon cutting ceremony. Like he prays, they have this big moment. And I want to point out some things that he prays because this is what the Lord has said to me going into, specifically going into the fall semester. Here's a few things that have stood out to me that I believe the Lord is saying as Solomon prayed it over that temple. This is what the Lord has me praying over this one. Amen. Chapter six, starting in verse 20. He says, Solomon prays to the Lord. He says, may your eyes be open toward this temple day and night, this place of which you put your name there. 
May you hear the prayer your servant prays toward this place. Hear the supplications of your servant and of your people Israel when they pray toward this place. Hear from heaven your dwelling place, and when you hear, forgive. Number one, for my note takers, if you're not a note taker, this is a great night to become one. Number one is that we want to be a group that touches heaven. Right out the gate, he prays this prayer, and he says, Lord, watch this temple. Be watching what happens here. When we come into Oasis on a Thursday night, I don't want to just do the church stuff and God not be here. I want to come in and go, okay, God, whatever you want to do. You want to go 10 minutes longer, 15 minutes longer in worship? We're going to be right here. You have a, a divine word. You want to pause. You want to say something. You want to do something. Okay, we want to be right because we want to be a place that when we pray, God's listening. God's watching. My prayer right now over Oasis is God, when an Oasis congregation member, when a first time guest, when they come in here, hear that prayer. Let this be such a place that is just directly in tune with the Lord that you're listening, right? That we're locked in, we're dialed in here in this ministry. Let this be a place that touches heaven. And I love the way this passage ends in this verse. It says, hear from heaven your dwelling place and when you hear, forgive. Point number two, We want this to be a place of repentance. Verse 24 says, When your people Israel have been defeated by an enemy because they have sinned against you. I could pause and talk for 15, 20 minutes on this one. I think there are times when you read, okay, when you read the Old Testament, there are a lot of times that people have have issues with God because it, it feels like, well, you do what God tells you to do or bad things happen. Okay, that's a very manipulative way of demonstrating covenant. When you walk with God, you're under the umbrella. When you step out from under the umbrella, you're not under the umbrella, right? This passage, oh, it's so good, it's so good. He says, God, when we sin against you, when we're in the mess that we're in because of our own mistakes, and when they turn back and give praise to your name, praying and making supplication, before you in this temple, then hear from heaven and forgive the sin of your people Israel and bring them back to the land you gave them to their ancestors. This is a big one. Repentance in the church, listen, this is, this is a big one. And my prayer, we prayed together earlier with the team. My prayer is God, let this be a place that prodigals can come home to. Let this be a place where someone that has been struggling, that, that knew you, that stepped out, that went through some heartache, that went through some drama, that made some mistakes. Let this be a place that they can come back to. But you know the problem with that is that rumors kill restoration. And if we are going to be a church that honors repentance, we have to care about restoration. We recently dealt with a situation where we had somebody, not even directly in this ministry, you have somebody that goes through some personal stuff, makes a mistake. You know the truth? Not everybody needs to know that. And there were some pastors involved in this that gave accountability where that mistake was made and in those areas. And there was correction where there needed to be correction and adjustments were made. But not everybody needs to know. Why? Because we believe God can restore. And if God comes around and just radically transform the situation, which we're believing in faith he's going to, we don't need everybody and their mama causing drama that doesn't need to be there. 
If we're going to be a church of repentance, a church of restoration, we cannot be a church of gossip. Because we read the prodigal child story and everybody's like, yes, Lord, I can always come back. That's so good. But what do you do for the other sibling and the maids and the field workers and the people that are in the house that have been talking bad about this dude since he left? When someone comes in this door, I'm telling you, it's so much easier said than done. But when I'm praying right now, I'm going, God, yes, I echo that prayer from Solomon. When someone who has known you and turned away looks towards this temple, hear their prayer and bring them home. And when you bring them home, find us like this. Going, yeah, it's okay. I've been dumb too. And yeah, you hurt my feelings, but I've been dumb too. And isn't God so good to just love me anyway, to deal with it anyway? We want to be a church that touches heaven. We want to be a family. We want to be a group that allows repentance. Thirdly, we want to be a place of adoption. Second Chronicles, continuing on, chapter 6 and verse 32. As the foreigner, man, I love this word. God's word is so good. As the foreigner who does not belong to your people, Israel but has come from a distant land because of your great name and your mighty hand and your outstretched arm. When they come and pray towards this temple, then hear from heaven your dwelling place. Do whatever the foreigner asks of you so that all peoples of the earth may know your name and fear you as do your own people Israel and may know that this house I have built bears your name. When that new person rolls up in here, let them feel loved. Let them know that they matter, that there wouldn't be comparison, that there wouldn't be junk, that we could get out of all the religious church, that someone could come here and find a family here. The New Testament would say it like this in Galatians. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith for all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ. The Bible is not saying that there's not differentiating factors between us. What it is saying is stop the comparison junk. We all get into this thing the same way, only through the grace of God. And because of that, we are one family on one playing field, whether they've been here for a minute, whether the prodigal son coming home, or whether they are a foreigner that's not been here before. Let this be a place of adoption. Turn to your neighbor and say, welcome to the family. Woo, I feel like preaching. Number four, we want to be a place of victory. And all the Pentecostal church said, amen. Y'all are bad. That was, that was so sad. We'll talk about that later. Yeah, that, that literally, that was non-Pentecostal trying to be Pentecostal, like 100%. We'll talk about it later. It's totally fine. We want to be a place of victory. In verse 34, it says, When your people go to war against their enemies, wherever you send them, and when they pray to you toward this city you have chosen and the temple I have built for your name, then hear from heaven their prayer and their plea and uphold their cause. When we step out, God, in faith into what you have called us to do and the drama starts, 
remember this group. When you get up on Friday and it feels like everything that just happened Thursday night went, do you like that? God, look down on us and fight that battle. Psalm 23, oh, it's so good. He's my shepherd, I, I like nothing. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. In the gospels, man, you, you may feel like you're in a storm right now and we just keep coming back to that tonight. You may feel like you were in a storm right now, but there's one story where Jesus is sleeping through the storm on the boat, so unbothered by what's happening. And then he gets up and speaks peace to the situation. There's another story where Jesus straight walks on the water while the waves and stuff are moving around. I don't know what you're in the middle of, but do not think that it's bigger than your God. God dealt with this giant of Goliath with a pebble and a small little dude and a slingshot. He parted a sea to get the Israelites free. He used a whale to speak to Nineveh. He can handle, he rose Jesus from the dead. He can handle the storm that you are in. God, as we intentionally move forward and any and every battle comes wherever we go, while we walk in your will, see that and win the war. I just say yes and amen to Solomon's prayer over this house and over your life. When you walk in that path and you stub your toe real bad and you limping a little, you're trying to figure it out, God, move us forward. When a betrayal happens and it messes your whole system up, God, fight that battle and keep us on the path you have called us to, that this would be a house of victory. Turn to your neighbor and say, victory. victory. Man, I'm preaching better than you're shouting, but it's okay, we're gonna get there. Number five, the most important one. Number five, turn to your neighbor and say, you better listen. Number five, verse 41, he gets to the end of the prayer. He has prayed all of these incredible intentional things. He said, God, let this be a place that touches heaven. Let this be a place of repentance. Let this be a place of adoption and let us be a group of victory. And then in verse 41, he says, now arise Lord God and come to your resting place. You and the ark of your might. We want to be a place that houses the presence of God. Number five, Lord, let this be a place that houses the presence of God. Man, this is so important. A chapter earlier in chapter five, Solomon's like, okay, we're building this thing and everything's coming together. This is so good. We need to get the Ark of the Covenant in this place ASAP. You know, the Ark of the Covenant, it represented God's faithfulness for the Israelites over the years. It started when God gave them the Ten Commandments through Moses. Those stones were inside the Ark of the Covenant. So the Ark represents God's leadership. And Solomon's like, hey, before we go anywhere else, you know what we better do? We better get God involved. We better get his clarity, his wisdom, his favor. Bring the Ark of the Covenant into this house. So they bring the Ark in. And in verse 13 of chapter 5, it says, The trumpeteers and musicians joined in unison 
to give praise and thanks to God. Accompanied by trumpets, cymbals, and other instruments, the singers raised their voices in praise to the Lord and sang, He is good. His love endures forever. Man, it sounds like where we started tonight, doesn't it? Then the temple of the Lord was filled with the cloud, and the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the temple of God. That, that part right there where it says, uh, the priests could not perform their service, it literally translates, the priests could not stand. The presence of God. They got together, and you got to think, they're singing the same, you Right. They come together in unison. They sing this beautiful song. He is good and his love endures forever. He is good and his love endures forever. And there in the presence of the Ark of the Covenant, this cloud hits. The glory of God hits. The word for glory here, it's a kabod. You'll see it a few places in the Old Testament. It literally means like magnificent splendor. This glory of God was so strong in the room that they couldn't just do church. Because there was a process here. The priests had these things that they would do and now they had built this beautiful temple and they are so excited to have the first church service. And then the glory of God moves in such a powerful way that the priests just have to go, There was a time in my life when I was like, God, I want to preach. God, I want to preach. God, I want to preach. Thank you for opportunities. Open those doors. But I can't tell you how badly right now what I want more than anything is to come in here prepared for a sermon and to never get to it. Not because I don't value the word, but because God can do something in one second that I couldn't do in 20 years. Four people rededicated their life tonight before I ever got up here. Because the presence of God is so real, it's so tangible, it changes things. They, oh, you know what scares me about this? Is they could have built this big, beautiful temple without the presence of God in it. I don't apologize for being emotional, because I do not want that. Don't let this be a place that looks pretty and the Instagram's popping and lots of people come, but we come and hang out and then we go home and nothing happens. It is so easy. It's so easy to build something for God without God. It's so simple to get caught up and trying to do all the right things and you're, God, we... We built the temple to the measurements you asked. We inlaid the whole thing in gold. Our leaders have awesome name tags. We did everything we were supposed to do. Oh, but God let us get to a place where it's your presence. Are you building something for God or are we building something with God? So Lord, you lead us where you want us to go. You take us where you want us to go. You let Thursday nights be whatever Thursday nights are supposed to do. And you have your way in this house. A few years ago. Yeah, the band can come back up. 
few years ago, um, there was this, this revival in Chattanooga. Some of you have heard me tell stories about this before. But there was this revival in Chattanooga, and the church was having services like every night. And your boy was in school and had a job. So I was like making excuses for why I just had to go to Chattanooga a few days a week and was figuring out a way to get there for these night services. And every night was crazy. This, and it was like the definition of revival services. Worship was like an hour long. The dude just preached. It was, I, he kept coming back every night with a different sermon. And I was like, how do you have enough time? from that night to this night to preach an hour and a half. But he did. He had a word every night because God was just moving. The spirit of God was just giving these downloads and it was crazy. And we come in for this night service. I'll never forget it. We come in for service and it was just different. I don't know. It was just different. Worship was happening. We were singing songs and we were like two songs in, three songs in. And we never really did the fast songs because you know how it works. You do a fast song, you do a medium song, you do a slow song. We all cry and then we do the word like there's a system to church. None of that happened. None of that happened. We were like two songs into like in the, the glory. And it was one of the, the presence of God was there. The cloud was there. The kabod, that kind of presence was in the room. The pastor came out to preach his word and everybody went and sat down and it was so funny because it was like as soon as the band got situated in the seat, he had been preaching maybe five minutes and he goes, y'all don't need me. And my buddy Rob, who was the worship pastor at the time, he goes, Rob, come here and sing that song. Of course, we had no idea what he was talking about. Like We never heard the song. And it was like there was this, y'all, I don't know how to explain it. There's hundreds of people in the room. But it wasn't awkward. Like, we just watched this pastor awkwardly in the middle of a sermon be like, nah, you don't, do God's doing something. I need to sit down and be quiet. Rob, come sing that song. And dude walks up, takes his guitar, <laughs> and he starts singing this song that he had wrote. He starts singing, if, uh, if you come any closer, I don't know what will happen. I don't know if I can handle the weight of your presence. If we go any farther, I don't know if I can take it. Don't know how long I'll make it when I stand before you. God, I might come crashing down, but I'm desperate to have you now. And he just started singing this beautiful chorus. I'm ready to be wrecked, go deeper than before. The way it's always been won't do it anymore. So I'm ready to let go and see all my kingdoms fall. I might lose all my control, but your glory's worth it all. So I'm ready to be wrecked. And these few hundred people couldn't have mattered whether the pastor said anything else the rest of the night because we all were just we were exactly that we were wrecked and I guarantee there's still some of my snot and tears in the carpet floor of that church because I I, I was stuck at the time I was in a rough spot I was doing the things I knew to do. I was praying. I was reading my Bible. We were in the middle of revival. I was checking all the boxes. I was doing all the things that I knew to do. But then the glory of God showed up. And everything changed. And I had known Jesus a long time. Don't misunderstand. But this was a, this was a different moment. This was a special moment. This was a glory of God in my life 
moment that changed everything. We want so desperately as a church, that is where we are going, as Oasis, right? That is where we are going to be a church, to be a group of people that will touch heaven in, in prayers, that, that will operate in repentance, that will adopt new people in, that will be accepting and will adopt family members into this process. But we want to be a place that will house the Lord because that is what's gonna change things. It is only the presence of God that will transform our hearts and lives. You can get on your phone and hear the best sermons, the best worship, the best whatever from the best churches. But what we need more than anything is an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Stand to your feet across the house. In chapter 5, they bring the ark in and they worship and the presence of God shows up in such a strong way that it messes up the plans, right? Two chapters later, chapter 6, Solomon finishes his, his prayer and going into chapter 7, the first couple verses, it says, when Solomon finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. The priests could not enter the temple. Not only could they not do their job at this point, they couldn't even hardly go in because the glory of the Lord filled it. And when all the Israelites saw the fire coming down and the glory of the Lord above the temple, they knelt on the pavement with their faces to the ground and worshiped and gave thanks to the Lord saying, He is good. His love endures forever. I don't know where you are at in life. I don't know what is going on around you, but I promise you what we need right now more than anything is that. A moment where the Holy Spirit just shows up and does what only He can do. If you are in the house and you're like, yeah, yeah, okay, I'm in. I want more of the presence of God. If that's you, just throw your hands up. We're gonna worship. We're gonna stay right here as long as God wants us here. Lord, we need you. We want more of you in our lives. God, we have issues that need to be fixed. We have things that need to be moved forward. God, I ask that you will bring a radical transformation in Jesus' name. I ask that you will bring freedom in this house in Jesus' name. God, I ask that your presence would pour out in such a powerful way, Lord Jesus, that you would do what only you can do. God, let your presence invade in this house. Let the glory of God abide in this house. Lift your voice right now. Begin to thank God for who He is. Begin to thank God for who He is. God, you are good and your love endures forever. You are good and your love endures forever. You are worthy. You are worthy of our praise. You deserve every bit of our worship and adoration. Holy Spirit, we need more of you. We want more of you, Holy Ghost. So have your way in this house. Have your way in our lives right now in Jesus. 